Why don't you clap your hands and give that praise to God right now? God, we're just going to trust in you. We'll get there when we get there. No, it isn't always fun, but it's going to worship you. Who's excited for the Section 1 Youth Rally tonight? I'm so honored and humbled to be here. Why don't you give yourselves a hand for being here this week? It's a great crowd, great group of young people. Brother Bland, thank you so much once again for allowing me to be here to preach at this incredible church. Sister Bland, I love you all's influence and example to this church, but also to the organization as a whole. And then Brother Brendan, can we give it up for this youth pastor, this host youth pastor? Great guy. Well, I want to give it up to this pastoral staff, Brother Paul, wherever you are, I love you so much. Thank you for all your encouragement. I love you. I see you in the back. You're already serving and working a great guy. Let's give it up for Brother Paul right now. Then I have a special honor and thanks to the ranking family. Can we give a great hand of applause? Why don't we stand up to our feet and give honor to Pastor Ranking, Brother Justin Ranking right now. Incredible man of God. We love you. Thank you so much for your service. You've earned that. You can be seated. Thank you for your ministry in the Georgia district. I love it. Looking at the back of the book for those notes. It's incredible. It's incredible. So thank you so much for your ministry. Thank you for your wife for allowing me to be in Oklahoma. That was awesome that you trusted me with that. I really do appreciate you. You're an incredible guy. And Whitehall is blessed more than you realize. Whitehall is blessed to have you as a pastor. One more time, can we give Pastor Ranking a great big hand? Right now, I want you to close your eyes. I don't claim to be prophetic, but the devil is trying to interrupt what God wants to do. I'm not just trying to say that to just try to say whatever just happened. Why don't you close your eyes right now and let's say, God, whatever you want to do, whatever the Spirit's trying to stop right now, we come against it in the name of Jesus. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard. So right now, God, I curse every demonic spirit that's trying to come against your word today. God, there's a calling that's going to come over these students. The labors are going to be sent forth in the harvest, and we're not going to let distraction. We're not going to let someone that tried to stop the spirit that's trying to be funny stop what you want to do. So right now we open up our hearts. This generation is crying out to you, God. Worship you, Jesus. You may be seated. Then the last person, last two people, actually, we're not no longer just us two, we're three. I want to give thanks to my wife. Can you show that picture of my beautiful wife, Natalie? Some of y'all might not have met her. I love you, Natalie. You are the joy to my heart. I'm so thankful that you married me. Thank you for never complaining during this transition. Seriously, you've had such a great spirit. And then that next picture, my beautiful daughter, Kylea. One month old last week, I love my daughter, Kylea. She has changed my world forever. I'm so thankful that she's here and she gets to hear me preach. But more than just preaching, when we're at the house, she oftentimes gets to hear me sing. I love to sing. I sing in the shower. I sing in the car. I sing at church. I sing at school. I sing at work in the office, YM family. Y'all know about that, Charlotte and Jeremy. I love you guys. Y'all hear me sing all the time. But there's one big problem is I don't know how to sing. People really don't believe me, so my wife actually snuck into a room and found a clip, and she recorded me singing while I was dancing with my baby girl. Can you play that clip? <coughs> You're a jerk. The other clip, 
play, play me. That's so mean. I don't sound like that. I sound like a little better at least. Play that other clip. It's no goodness of the law. Okay, I don't sound like y'all. I get it. Y'all are talented and I can't sing. All right, you're good. You can cut it off. It's no goodness of Cut it off. Shut it down. I can't sing, okay? We get it. I can't sing. I can't sing. But the thing is, is I don't take most of my time trying to sing for real. I don't go to singing school. I went to Bible college to learn the word of God because I felt a call to preach. I don't spend my time trying to develop my voice because that's not what I dream about. That's not what I'm called to do. My call is something different, so I devote my time to that. So right now I want you to think, what do you dream about? What do you want to be when you get older? What do you want to be when you get older? I want you right now, everyone close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes. I know there are pretty girls there, and you're going to talk to her while you got pizza and pepperoni in your mouth. But right now, I want you to think about that dream. What do you dream about? What do you give your talents, your time, your abilities to? What makes you want to work hard and sacrifice? What do you dream about? Get that in your mind. We're going to talk about dreaming tonight. Look to your neighbor right now and say dreaming. One of the most preached about people in the word of God besides Jesus, obviously, that's always the answer, is Moses. Someone say Moses. Moses, some facts about Moses. is He was born a Hebrew. He was put in a basket so that his mom tried to save his life. And he was raised as an Egyptian by Pharaoh's daughter. When he grew up, he saw this Egyptian beating an Israelite, this slave, and it bothered him. So he tried to wrestle with that Egyptian, and he accidentally killed him. And then he fled Egypt because he feared the punishment because of that murder. And while he was in the wilderness, he encountered the burning bush. He was commissioned to be a part of seeing the Israelites freed from Egyptian bondage. Through miraculous demonstration, those 10 plagues that God sent, Pharaoh let his people go. People from everywhere heard about the 10 plagues and how God used Moses. After leaving Egypt, going to the promised land, God used Moses to part the Red Sea as the Egyptians were chased as the Egyptians were chasing them down. God then mo met Moses on Mount Sinai and gave him the Ten Commandments. The Israelites made it out of Egypt and were close to the Promised Land. Moses changed an entire nation. He changed history for so many people. And it all started with the dream. Moses dreamed about this Promised Land for years. His grandparents and their grandparents dreamed about the Promised Land that Abraham was told about from God himself. It's this dream for generations. And they're finally about to see the dream become reality. And Moses writes these words in Deuteronomy 32, verses 11 through 12. Moses writes, as an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreads out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. No foreign God with him. In my life, one of the most transitional periods, all these principles, my pastor, Brother Daryl Jones, would always tell me, as an eagle, so the Lord. Brother Jerry Jones would say, as an eagle, so the Lord. Moses, inspired by the Holy Ghost, he saw this eagle's feather probably on the ground, and he looks at it, and he starts, in the inspiration, writes that down, as an eagle. That's how God is with us. So I started to study a little bit about an eagle, and when you want to know something, where do you go? Google, amen, you just read the word of God, see, y'all are wrong. Go to Google, rabbits, they can run 35 miles per hour, but an eagle somehow still catches it because an eagle can nosedive so fast. 
There's a type of eagle that can nosedive at about 200 miles per hour. An eagle's grip is up to 10 times stronger than humans. Their eyesight is eight times stronger than humans. They have wingspans up to eight feet long. They can turn their heads 210 degrees. Bald eagles, they actually lose feathers on both sides equally so they can remain balanced. I thought that was really cool. I wish I could do that on, you know, my stomach so it's not just like maybe a little bit of that fat goes to the back too so I at least look symmetrical. Some of you parents are preaching with me now. Did you know that you can't pick up a feather of a bald eagle without a permit? This isn't a real feather, just so y'all don't call the cops on me. You have to go and get a permit if you see one on the ground in the forest or you'll go to jail. That's crazy. And then a fact that broke my heart is bald eagles actually aren't bald. My whole life, I was like, oh, bald eagles, they're bald. They must have been at youth ministries for too long and then just stress went out and they just bald now. But they're not bald. They got feathers on top of their head. And did you know that eagles, they mate for life? I could stop there and preach about that. Come on, one man, one woman. Don't cheat. We'll keep going. They make their nest out of sticks and moss and plants. They build their nest high on top of cliffs so that other animals can't prey on those baby eagles known as eaglets. That last part about that nest is very important for our verse. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hover over its young, spreads out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings, so the Lord alone led them, and there was no foreign God with him. Moses, under the inspiration of God, wrote down these words. As an eagle disturbs the nest, as an eagle hovers over its young, spreads out its wings, take them up, as it develops, someone say develops, And then as an eagle then carries eaglets on its wing, it delivers the little baby eagles. Moses understood that his relationship with God was a lot like the mother eagle. That God, just like the eagle, disturbs, develops, and then delivers. And he knows that that's the principle he wanted to do. Because Moses, he had all of the best food in all the land. He had the best bed, the best entertainment, the best clothes. Moses had the best life. He was in the palace with Pharaoh. But somewhere along the way, he got tired of it. He started seeing the suffering of the Israelites, and he was no longer happy just being in the palace. And he started saying, something has to change. Moses' life started to get miserable as he saw this abuse in the slaves. The best food didn't taste the same anymore because he witnessed people suffering. He didn't laugh as much anymore. Their smile left his face. Why? Because he knew he was different. He had a call of God on his life. He worked so hard to look like an Egyptian, to talk like an Egyptian, to be like an Egyptian, to go where Egyptians go. But deep down, coursing through his veins was Hebrew blood. And he knew there was a calling from God Almighty on his life. Moses was a Hebrew. Moses was different. And Moses had a dream. Someone say Moses had a dream. So God started to disturb Moses. Moses fled Egypt and lived in the wilderness for 40 years. He no longer had the beauty of a palace, but instead he became a shepherd in the wilderness. Last, the last few nights we talked about these responses, these choices. Someone say choices. These four main things that trials, they come from God. Someone say God. And when trials come from God, our response is to rejoice. James 1, 2, 4, it says that when when trials come, don't get mad, but instead be thankful because it's like a parent that spanks you. It's to make you a better person. God chastens those who he loves. 
So when trials come from God, our response is to rejoice. Temptation comes from the devil. Someone say the devil. And our response is to resist. Trespasses, they come from people. And our response is to release, to forgive. Troubles come from myself. Everyone point to yourself and say myself. And our response is to repent. So these trials come from God because he's disturbing our nest. Think about it from the mind of a baby eagle for a second. You're fluffy. You're gray. You have this nice nest, all the greatest moss. It's comfortable. Tempur-Pedic moss, pastor. You have all the greatest fluffiness and the softness. And then one day, mom starts pulling that stuff out of the nest. What are you doing, mom? Why are you pushing? Why are you doing that, mom? And then now you, you lean back on that nest, and it's a, it's a prickly stick. It's not comfortable anymore. And as time goes by, that nest keeps getting that fluffy stuff pulled out, and it's not as comfortable. And, and those watching Netflix all times of night and playing video games all the time, it's, it's not as comfortable. You're starting to get disturbed. Those jokes that are inappropriate, it's no longer fun. It starts to be disturbed and living like the world and being like an Egyptian and acting like an Egyptian and dressing like an Egyptian. It's no longer fun because God disturbs your nest. And when that happens, it's a trial from God because he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to say, you have a call of God on your life. You aren't supposed to be like the world. You're not supposed to talk like the world. You are called out. You are a separate. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priest and a holy nation. You're called out of darkness to proclaim his praises. So don't try to be like the world. And when God disturbs the nest, you're supposed to rejoice. Last night, God disturbed our nest, right, Storm Youth? You all did incredible praying last night and some other visitors that showed up. Thank you for coming to this youth week. We talked about that temptation, those struggles, spending all the time on those apps, deleting history, and we think nobody knows about it. But after a while, it's no longer fun because God disturbs our nest. That mother eagle starts to take the fluff out of the nest and it's no longer comfortable. But then to make matters worse, that next part, the mother starts to develop the baby eagle. It's no longer comfortable, and the baby eagle, it's not really laying down, and it's kind of just moving around. And then all of a sudden, the mother eagle grabs that eaglet, throws it out of the nest. I just almost knocked you out with this microphone. Brother Molina, I love you. Throws the eagle out of the nest. Can you imagine what that baby eagle's feeling like? It's never been in the air before. It's always been in comfort. It's always just blended in with the students in their high school, in their middle school. It's always had bad playlists on their Spotify, but when they're around their church friends, they never really listen to that stuff. They change clothes when they go to school. They have different jokes. When, when the youth group's around or camp's coming up, they'll be very spiritual. But then when they're in high school or middle school, they just start to blend in. And then all of a sudden, the mother eagle says, no, no, it's time to get out of the nest. That mother eagle pushes the baby out of the nest. What's going through that eagle's head the first time it's falling through the sky? As it looks at its mom, it looks at the ground, it looks at its mom, it looks at the ground, and it's freaking out. Why are you trying to kill me? What did I do? Am I eating too much food? Just give me another chance, mom. Put me back in the nest. I won't do it again. I won't disobey again. Put me back in the nest, mom. But the eagle is trying to develop the young because the first time that baby eagle just falls really fast, but then the next time 
the baby eaglet starts to flap its wings. It really doesn't make much of a difference at first, but then it keeps doing it. Then it keeps doing it. And time after time, that baby eaglet starts to get strength. And it's no longer falling so fast, but now it's starting to slow down a little bit. And it starts to realize, hey, I'm being developed. The reason God sends trials our way is because he's trying to develop you. He's trying to give you a testimony, a story that you can share with others, that you've gone through pain and hurt, that you've gone through suffering, but hey, look, I've made it. And if I can make it, you can make it. So when God disturbs the nest, he takes all the fluff out. When he starts to push you out of the nest and develop you, we rejoice. Then I love that last part, Pastor, because not only is the baby eagle falling, Deuteronomy 32, when Moses thinks about that, that time in the wilderness as a shepherd that he was learning how to herd sheep. He was learning how to be a pastor to the Israelites as he was seeing the miraculous moves of God at the burning bush. He was learning about the ten plagues. He was learning so much. Why? Because he was being developed. And then what happened? He was delivered from Egypt. And just like that baby eagle, the Bible says that the eagle will sweep under it and it will raise it up and put it in the nest. Can you imagine how excited that baby eagle will feel? And that's how it is for you tonight. You can choose to soar. Look at your neighbor and say, choose to soar. Because if we're honest tonight, some of your dreams are a little too small. You're not made to be bound to the ground. You aren't a penguin that can't fly high. You're not some chicken that just waddles around that tastes real good with 13 spices, flour fried up at KFC. You're an eagle. You are made for more. You are made to soar. And when you set your dreams down here, God is saying, no, you want to choose to soar. You should be up there. So let's get practical. Let's get practical. This is why that happened earlier. Because God is wanting to do this in this moment. And the devil's trying to stop it. You just want to be a businessman. But God wants to give you the ability to fund missions and ministries around the world. You're content with just being a teacher working nine to five, just barely making it, and God is calling you to be the best Sunday school teacher that ever existed to write curriculum and books and change the world. You're okay just blending in, just being in that nest and enjoying the fluff and just being a little baby eagle, being a chicken, being bound to the ground, but God is calling you to soar. God is calling you for more. God is calling you to be a missionary. God is calling you to be a pastor, an evangelist, a sound man, a videographer, a photographer. God is calling you to do great things. But too many times, we're like Moses. We're comfortable in Egypt. We're comfortable. We're comfortable. How many of y'all can admit right now, I know all your friends are here. It's a big section rally. But it, it's pretty comfortable just trying to be like the world, just blending in. Who wants to be weird? Just raise your hand if you agree. That it, it's pretty easy. Thank you for being the first that I saw. It's pretty easy to just be comfortable. But being comfortable doesn't get you in the sky. Being comfortable doesn't help you to travel the world and change lives. Being comfortable doesn't teach you an instrument and then you do live recordings and write songs like Give Me Jesus. Being comfortable might get you a good job, might have a good life here, but you're always going to be in the nest. So tonight, God is calling you to dream bigger, to dream for more. Would you close your eyes right now with me? What is your dream 
What do you want to be when you grow up? Think about it. When I asked that earlier, so many things went through your mind that I just want to settle. I, I really don't have any aspirations for God or his kingdom. I, I just want to settle. What do you want to be for God? Are you content just riding the coattails of our elders? Or do you want to do great things for God? If you would look at me, is it a convenient dream? Is it a dream that gets you bound to the ground? Or are you going to dream bigger? See, my story, I was 15 years old, showed up to camp. Brother Luke Levine was preaching. Man, he's a preacher. I love Brother Luke Levine. I went there, struggles and broke in, all kind of addictions, violent, angry, struggling internally. And that night, he called for repentance. He said, make a commitment to God. Follow the call. I was like, well, I don't have anything to offer. I, I'm not that talented. Obviously, I can't sing. What do I do? And I started to dream for God. And at first, it was just, oh, I can be a good Sunday school teacher, Pastor Ranking. I can just do something small. And I was looking down at the nest, and I was like, it's comfortable. It'd be way easier just to fit in, just to blend in with the rest of the youth group. It'd be way easier just to sit in the back during service instead of be the first one in the front row worshiping and singing and dancing. It'd be easy to not Bible quiz because it's so much work. It'd be easy to not do a P7 because only two people show up for the first two years. It'd be easy not to start a campus ministry international because it's so hard. I have so much schoolwork. I have papers. I'm trying to balance life. It'd be easy not to go on an AYC trip. It's thousands of dollars. How in the world can I afford that? I can't fundraise. It'd be easy not to give to move the mission and global missions and North American missions. It would be easy to do that stuff. But that night at youth camp, God was calling me to more. And that night I had to make a choice because my nest was disturbed. Sitting with the football players and the rest of the jocks in the cafeteria making those jokes was no longer fun. Going and hanging out and trying to be cool was no longer fun. Sitting in the back and youth service was no longer fun. And God started to disturb me. He started to develop me. And every time, God always, always delivers me. So one more time as the music comes, can you close your eyes with me? Imagine right now your nest. Imagine right now your school, your high school. What are you called to do in that school? What are you called to be? What country are you called to go? You might need to, to go ahead and delete your social media because they're not really even supposed to have Christians, but you're called to change the world. What scriptures do you need to start to memorize so you can teach that Bible study? What do you need to get rid of? God is calling you to do more. God is calling you tonight to choose to soar. Here on this altar, you can look up here. There's feathers, not eagle feathers, because I don't want to go to jail. Those are illegal. You can get these at Michael's. I love taking stuff home. Because when I was at youth camp and someone gave me something and I took it home, I'd put it on my mantle or put it on the refrigerator. I'd put it somewhere so I can think about it. I can look at it and say, what am I called to be? 
Tonight's going to be a very deep altar call in the name of Jesus. Elders, I want you to go ahead and start to pray right now because I've, I've been feeling a lot of resistance. There's a lot of awkwardness and quietness right now. I don't want to be alone up here. Go ahead, start to intercede with me right now, elders, for these souls. The harvest is great, but where are the laborers? Students, God is calling you to soar. God is calling you to do great things. Sheridan, can you come up here real quick with me? Last night, it was so incredible. Weeping. She's like, God, I just want to do your will. It's not about being popular, having all these likes and follows. You are just weeping to God. God, I want to soar. God has a call in your life, and if you keep that heart, if you just not try to stay in the nest, but you fly, you're going to do great things. You're an example to young ladies. You have influence, and it's not like what the world says. You're not an influencer, but you have real influence. You're going to make a difference if you keep that heart. If you would stand with her as well. I want to choose to soar. I want to do more for God. I'm not content just being in church. I'm not content just working at youth ministries. I want to teach a Bible study. I want to win a soul. I want to make a difference in someone's life. I want to raise my daughter. I want her to be in Bible quizzing. I want her to change her world. I want to choose to soar. Would you lift your hands right now? What are you dreaming about? What do you want to be? How are you going to change the world? What books are you going to write? What songs are you going to write? What countries are you going to go to? What living rooms are you going to sit in and teach Bible studies in? What businesses are you going to start so that you can build churches just by your offering alone? Because you're going to make so much money and it's not just going to be to buy worldly things, but you're going to give and advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do to impact eternity? Because one day this is all going to fade away. It's all going to fade away, and I choose to soar. I choose to be made for more, not to be content just sitting on a pew, not to be content just to be talented and then to bury it. I choose to do great things for God. If that's you tonight, would you make your way to this altar? Would you grab a feather, student, and would you find somewhere and bury yourself in an altar? Let's not run down your face. Let those tears flow. Don't worry about anybody else. And will you answer the call of God on your life right now? This is your confirmation. You struggled with it. Am I really called to preach? Am I really called to that ministry? This is your answer that you've been asking for. Yes, you are called. So answer it. Choose to soar. Get out of the nest. Flap those wings. It's not always going to be easy, but God's going to develop you. You are called to soar.